What makes for a good partnership? Reliability and credibility. All right, reliability and credibility. Absolutely. These are all great examples. I want you to keep thinking in your minds, what are examples uh, or what makes for a good partnership? Because one of the key themes in 2 John and 3 John is this idea of a partnership together in the gospel. And we're going to explore what that looks like over the course uh, of the next number of weeks. Now, I want you to follow me through here in this discussion of partnership uh, and think about the fact that God has placed us as a community of faith here in this particular community uh, for a particular reason at this particular time in the course of Langley's history and here in Willoughby and in Clayton. And we have a unique sense of the purpose that God has called us to play here and the mission that he's called us to be about. And that is extending the message of the gospel to people uh, who are not familiar with it and calling people uh, to deeper walk in their life uh, with God and with Jesus. But the reality is that we cannot, and in fact, I would say we should not think that we can go about doing this alone. We need to think about partnerships and what that looks like here in our community. In the next dozen or, or so years, in this immediate vicinity, uh, the statistics say that we're going to have another forty to 60,000 people that are moving within about a 15-minute drive of where we are this morning. And the question is, is it possible, A, for traffic to get worse than it already is in Langley? B, is it possible for us as a faith community to reach all of those people? And the answer is no. God is calling us into partnership with those who are here in our neighborhoods and other people that share the same values and that we trust and that we can work in cooperation with to see his mission uh, accomplished here in the life of this neighborhood. And the fields are ripe unto harvest, to use the language of the scripture, but we're not the only laborers out in the harvest field. And so we want to begin to ask and the question of, what do some of those partnerships look like? And how can we discern what good partners would look like, and how can we be a good partner in the spreading of the gospel here uh, in our immediate neighborhoods. We have great partnerships with uh, other churches in Langley here. Uh, we have about eight other churches in the Willoughby area that the leaders get together every week for prayer. And out of that relationship that's developed, and they're across almost every spectrum that you can imagine in terms of different stripes of the Christian movement. And when we get together for prayer weekly, out of that has come things like Willoughby Community Christmas, where we're going to host again here. Um, last year, we just packed the banquet hall. Thankfully, the fire marshal was not here. We didn't get in any trouble for having about 800 people in the banquet hall. Uh, so we're going to move into the gyms this uh, December 26th. But there'll be about seven churches that participate uh, in a joint celebration of worship and thanks to God uh, for what he's doing here in our neighborhood. That's just an, one example of the way in which our partnerships have emerged. We work, with other, we work in partnerships with other Christian agencies here uh, in the life of our city. Agencies like Youth for Christ uh, or agencies like uh, Frontiers or agencies like the Gateway of Hope. And we have established partnerships that we go about uh, working with and things together like Love Langley or all kinds of other uh, initiatives. We work in partnership uh, with our government here in uh, Langley. And just yesterday there was uh, a group 
out and we uh, are part of the street uh, cleanup team. And so just over on the, on the high school grounds there and all up and down 202 A Street over there, uh, we had a crew out from Trinity Western uh, under uh, 80 and Camille's leadership and they were uh, cleaning up the street. Uh, that we have adopted in partnership with the township over there. And so there's all kinds of ways. Even here in this facility is an example of our partnership with the township, that we're a funding partner in the facility. We put uh, resources into the fourth floor to develop that space, not just for our use on Sunday mornings, but for the community to come uh, and use as well. But the question of what makes a good partnership is one that bears some inquiry. And so we're going to take some time over the next couple of weeks uh, to ask some of those questions. And second and third, John, lay out some good examples of what does it mean to have a good partnership together in the gospel for us. And so just to give you a quick overview uh, of second John, it's not only the shortest book uh, in the New Testament or in the Bible as a whole uh, by verse length, but also it's written by uh, the Apostle John, who is one of Jesus' Uh, 12 disciples, and so somebody who is very close, in fact, to Jesus, the scriptures tell us. And so this is a very key information that comes through in the writings uh, that John does as a part of the New Testament. And John here is encouraging, he's written it to a local church community, and he is encouraging them to think critically about the partnerships that they are going to engage with for the spread of the gospel. Asking questions like, with whom do you partner? And by virtue of that, with whom do you choose not to partner? For various differences of values or differences of core uh, realities and beliefs. To what ends do you partner with people? What means do you go about uh, exercising partnerships to see accomplished? And what are their criteria? And what does a partnership in the gospel in particular look like? So those are some of the questions that we're going to address as we go through uh, our little four-week series here called Watch, Wait, and Go. And you can see from the uh, image that's up there, the, the metaphor for the series is drawn from an example of a crosswalk. And if you're standing at the crosswalk and cars are traveling by you at high rates of speed, sometimes it's not always easy to tell when it's safe to step out onto the street. But thankfully, somebody really smart invented a little sign. Some of them even talk to you and tell you, you know, they count down to tell you how much time that you have uh, left in this. And so uh, we've just uh, uh, used that as a little bit of a picture for ourselves to try and help us understand uh, a little bit of the themes of second and third John. And so we might summarize them in this way with watch, wait, and go. The first theme is watch. And that's an encouragement for us all through the books to exercise vigilance, to be discerning and to be cautious and to be careful and to be always looking around and seeing and being vigilant about what's happening in our lives and what's happening in the lives of our communities that we can participate and partner with and what can we see uh, that's going on and that God might be calling us to participate in. But the second uh, thing is the little hand on the crosswalk. And the little hand says, let's exercise some discernment because sometimes we can look around and see there's so many needs, there's so many opportunities, and if we just rush into getting involved with everything that we see around us, we're not exercising discernment and we're going to be spreading ourselves too thin and we may not be doing what the things that God has called us to 
invest in. And so John says, not only look around and exercise vigilance, but also exercise discernment because not every partnership is a wise partnership. Not every need that exists is an invitation for you to rush in and to meet it. And then the third one, the little walking symbol, is uh, exercise faith. There are times when God opens doors for partnership and when you've exercised vigilance and discernment, then it's time to exercise faith and just go and walk. It's safe. God's given you the green light. Engage in that partnership, invest in it, develop it, and keep working at it to the best of your abilities and the resources. So sometimes God's saying, hey, let's just get up and get moving in this particular arena of life. So watch, wait, and go. Vigilance, discernment, and faith are the things that, themes that we're going to come back to uh, time and time again as we look through Second and Third John, and that's the theme of the first little cluster of uh, verses in uh, Second John. And I'm going to read them uh, to you as we look at what is it that John is calling us uh, to do in this first section. And so uh, John begins with uh, an opening statement. It's written, as are many parts of the New Testament, it's written as a letter. And you can hear in the first couple of verses just such a warmth and a, uh, just a, almost a, a fatherly or a pastoral or a very friendly heart that's being uh, exhibited. He, he warmly greets them, encourages them about the grace that's theirs in God. Uh, and then in verse 4, uh, he uh, begins to give them some direction and some uh, encouragement. And so if you have your momentum journals, you can turn to page 36 and you can take a few notes in terms of what uh, he encourages them with. And we'll read uh, together starting uh, in verse 4. Verse 4 of, uh, of John, and the funny thing with John is that it's a little bit misleading. Any book in the Bible, just as a hint, that has uh, only one chapter in it, the chapter is assumed. So when you say Second John 1 to 6, it's not six whole chapters, it's just six verses of it. Lest you thought I was going to try and preach through six you know, chapters of the New Testament in one setting. Keith would have stopped me from doing that, just so you all know, to try and bite off a little bit more than we could chew. He's the sober second thought person around here. Uh, but Second uh, John uh, verse 4 begins in this way, and he says, you need to be aware and be careful that how happy I was to meet some of your children, find them living according to the truth, just as the Father has commanded. So you get this picture that John, who at this time is living in Ephesus, uh, some of the people from this church, we don't know the group of people that he was writing to, but they came and he was able to hang out with them. And there'd been a series of, of uh, time, period of time that elapsed. And, and they came and he was like, yes, they actually got it. They were actually living according to the truth, just as the Father had commanded them. And then he starts into a little bit of an encouragement to them, try to encourage them. He says, I'm writing, I need to remind you of something, dear friends. I need to remind you that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment. This is, in fact, the whole theme of the book of 1 John. But it's something that we've had from the beginning. Love means doing what God has commanded us. You can hear this theme coming up again and again in uh, John's writings. Pastor Keith mentioned it to us last week from John chapter 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. John here says, loving means doing what God has commanded us. And he has commanded us to love each other just as you heard from the beginning. So he's got a very warm tone 
and he writes uh, to them, but he also has a bit of a cyclical argument that he's trying to make with them. And he's filled with joy, almost like a little bit of a, a proud uh, parent. And I can remember last year, uh, we went to, uh, Meg and I were, were at a conference, and we ran into one of the kids that I used to babysit growing up back in Ontario. And uh, I say one of the kids. Now he's grown up. He's through university. Uh, he went on to be a lawyer. And uh, I still think of him as the little kid that I used to babysit, though. So I kind of felt like going up to him and just tussling his hair a little bit and say, oh, you've done, Derek, you've done such a great job. You know, you've turned out right. You know, and for whatever small part I had to play in that. And I'm sure it was a very, very, very small part to play. But you meet these people, you know, from your past and from your history. Or maybe if you're a parent and you don't see your kids for a little while, they've grown, they're out of the house. You come back and you visit them and you say, oh, yes. I think they're actually contributing members of society. This is a good thing. This is their, they're not delinquents. I've, somehow this has turned out really well. And so John here is kind of saying the same thing. He's saying, oh, yes, things have, things have gone really well with you. You're walking in obedience to what it is that God has called you to do and to be. I'm proud of you that you turned out all right. Hooray, you're a contributing member of the Christian movement. And that's kind of the the ethos that John is trying to express here uh, to the people that he's in relationship with. But it's not just a general kind of warmth, oh yay, I'm proud of you, you're doing a great job. He's very specific in what he wants to commend them for. And he's filled with joy because the text says they have aligned their lives with the truth. And for John, the truth is always tied to walking in obedience to who God is and what he's revealed to us. Truth, truth, truth. In the first four verses of 2 John, he uses the word truth four times. And John is clear that for John, truth is not some disembodied set of concepts to which a person gives mental affirmation and then checks it off and says, yes, yes, I believe in the truth. It's not a philosophical concept. To John... Truth is very active. It has a source. It has an origin in God the Father. And it has a, a necessity of being lived out in obedience, walking in obedience to the things that God instructs us to do. This is the language that's reminiscent of another gospel writer, Matthew, who writes in Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, which we receive as our marching orders for the Christian movement, and say, uh, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, uh, and lo, I'll be with you always. There's an element of obedience to all that I have commanded. And Pastor Keith highlighted this for us last week in John chapter 15. And all through the writings of John, he's going to bring this up again and again and again and remind us of the connectivity between truth and love and obedience. And this is where we get the title, uh, for today's message, Walking in Obedience. And part of the thing that we wanted to try and communicate with Second and Third John is a, a challenge to the concept of truth in our day and time. Because in our day and time, truth has become a largely elastic concept. It's become a philosophical concept, perhaps, but it doesn't necessarily uh, have any anchor points to individuals' lives or uh, their actual behavior. People can believe something to be true, but it doesn't necessarily translate 
uh, into their lives uh, in any way. And this is a fairly common concept in our world today, but there's an element of logical inconsistency to this. Because if something is true, it's insufficient for me just to give mental assent to the fact that it's true. I actually have to live in accordance with that truth as well. I can't just give intellectual assent to an an abstract propositional statement. That's a largely meaningless exercise. If it's true, you have to live like whatever it is that you believe is true actually is true. You have to live it as if you mean it, if it's true. And truth has to influence and filter down into our lives and behavior. For example, the students that were out uh, picking up trash yesterday, they can sit in class all they want or sit in in d-groups and pontificate on the wisdom of environmental stewardship until they're blue in the face. But until you actually get out there and live your life and put some feet on it and actually act that that is true, then it doesn't actually hold a lot of weight or a lot of water. I can't give a mental assent to something and then live in a completely different way and still say logically that I believe that to be true. Another example is if I have my pack of gum here and I say, oh yes, I believe I give logical and mental assent to the law of gravity, uh, this is logically going to fall when I drop it. But you need to live and organize your life. If you believe that gravity is a true and abiding principle, then you're going to organize and believe that when things happen, it will be naturally the flow of that which is true, which you believe to be true. But so many times when it comes to a faith, we begin to kind of pull these things apart. We begin to give mental assent to things but not actually live as if they are true. We'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe that uh, heaven is real, or I believe that uh, hell is real, or I believe that Satan is real, or I believe any of these things. And yet if you were to actually drill down into our lives and begin to probe and see, do we actually live in a way that we actually are in congruence with that which we affirm as a philosophical or moral truth, in a lot of ways, this begins to disconnect. And John's main point in these verses, in encouraging them again about truth and about living or walking in accordance with the truth, is to set up a bit of a logical cycle here that just begins to repeat itself over and over and over again in the life of a person who claims Jesus as Lord. The first part of the cycle, John says, is a love for God, which he's already gone through over and over and over again in the book of 1 John, in his gospel account, and then in 2 John as well. He says, and if you have a love for God, if you believe that God is true, that God exists, and that he's revealed himself to us in his uh, word and in the person of Jesus Christ, then you will act in logical consistence with that, and that will result, he says, in loving obedience to God's commands, the things that God has instructed us to do. And when you organize your life in loving obedience to a love for God, because God's revealed himself to us, and we know what it is that he asks us to do, and we respond in loving obedience, that will naturally translate into a love 
for others. Others will see our loving obedience to God, and that will direct itself as a compassion to those who are far from God. It will direct itself in all kinds of pragmatic implications um, and in your life and in my life and in the life of our community as well. We can't say, John says, that you love God but not have a meaningful love for others. And when you meaningly begin to love and demonstrate your love for others through loving actions, because again, truth has to find its way down into your life and into your behavior, loving actions will point more people towards God. And as more people come to know the reality of who God is and begin to grow in their love for him, that will result in more loving obedience, which will result in more love being directed towards others, which will result in more people understanding and knowing the truth behind the loving actions that people of faith do. And the cycle begins to kind of build on itself over and over and over again. And so John's beginning to invite us into this process here and say, this is the picture of what it means to walk in obedience to God. This is a picture of what it means to respond to the incredible love that God has for us. We begin to get that down into all the places of our lives and begin to then love others in a manner that's consistent with that. But the challenge for us is, In so many ways, uh, it begins to come apart for us. And sometimes, uh, nowhere is this disconnect in the cycle of truth and love and living it out more evident uh, than for some people who grow up with a, a faith perspective and then as they begin to go through adolescence and young adulthood, begin to experience that disconnect, either observed in others or for themselves, and then it begins to kind of fall apart for them. So I'm going to ask Mike and Kim Olenek to come up, and they're going to talk a little bit about their experiences and their journey in coming to faith, and then a little bit about their journey as to what it looks like uh, for us as a community to be engaged with a partnership and a strategy of trying to help those who are young adults amongst us wrestle with some of these uh, concepts. And so there's a little bit of strategy and a little bit of personal story here. This is going to function as their membership testimony. You know, since they've been on staff with us since the summer, we figured you should get to know them a little bit more. Anyway, so I'm going to steal my coffee. You can have your own coffee. (laughs) All right. And I'm going to turn the microphone over. uh, And then at the end of our time together, we're going to have a little bit of Q&A. And so if you've got some questions that kind of emerge as we go through the course of our morning together, then just be sure to write them down, and then we'll do a little bit of live Q&A. So I'm going to pass the mic over to Mike. Mike over to Mike. <laughs> well, I bought a board game. We like to go to coffee shops and play board games. So, but I don't think we'll play one this morning. <laughs> Maybe afterwards. But anyways, Kim, why don't you share your testimony and sure. all of that? Mike asked me to go first this morning, and I, I think he was trying to be nice, but I'm not so sure if it's a nice thing to go first or not. I was just being chicken. <laughs> um, for... We were asked to come in and share a bit about ourselves, and I thought that um, I would share some of the journey that God has been taking me on and um, the reasons why I've begun to work with youth ministry as well. For those that, that know me, you might know that I have a bit of a strange obsession with pirate ships. In fact, Mike proposed to me um, during a tall ship festival when there were these big pirate ships, they're old wooden ships, and they were out shooting cannons at one another, blank cannons, of course, doing this um, mock battle. For me, there's something about this epic battle between good and evil that 
Um, it just draws me. I don't know what it is. It's something, as a kid, I loved these stories um, where good and evil go at it, and ultimately good always wins out in the end. And I think that that's part of what drew me into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, when, when I was a kid, I grew up in the church, so I knew who Jesus was, and um, you know, I understood um, him as my friend, but he was really only somebody that I turned to when I needed help. Um, you know, he was the person that held my hand and, and walked me through things. But I didn't understand sort of what Brad had been talking about, this having to act it out, to actually live it out, um, live out my own faith. I didn't get that until I went to camp one day, and the speaker was sharing about a battle between good and evil. And he was sharing about how there was this battle going on between God and Satan that had been going on since the beginning of time and was still going on today. And the battle was over my soul and the lives of my friends and family. And I started to, to think about that, and I realized that... Um, I realized my own place in this battle, and I realized that I was on sort of the hillside watching the battle at Helm's Deep from Lord of the Rings, but I was standing on the hill. I wasn't getting involved. I was just watching. And it struck me that, you know, I was watching my friends and family involved in this fight or running away from the fight, but I was doing nothing to help. And I realized that I knew who was going to win the battle already because we had that answer. Um, We've been told in the Bible that God wins. So I knew which side was going to win, and it became a no-brainer for me as I thought about this and realized, clearly I should be fighting for the good side because they're going to win. And so I started at that point to make a commitment in my life to start fighting for God. And um, I didn't do a really good job of that in high school. Um, Tried to, but probably didn't do as much as I could. It wasn't until I got into university that I started getting involved in leadership and realizing the potential and the God-given gifts and talents that I had for loving people and um, just helping people find their own potential. And then um, I ended up working as a children's intern at a church, and half of my volunteers in that children's program were teenagers. They were the youth. And I realized how much I loved working with them. And just seeing them become leaders, seeing them step up and um, live out their own faith, it was huge for me. And then I also realized that youth were so important to the kingdom of God. And I think this was where I sort of realized that I think Satan was a step ahead of me. Um, If you look at our culture, you can see how much our world has embraced youth. Um, Look at our media our food, our music, television, everything is sort of targeted at the youth and young adult age group. And I think that Satan is battling for these young people because he knows how important they are and how critical they are to God's kingdom. And I started to, to think about that and realize, you know, this is a part where I, that I can be on the front lines of this battle if I work with these youth and I help them find God and and work out their own faith and make it their own, not just the faith of their parents. So at that point, I started to to volunteer with youth ministry more, and I um, stepped in and volunteered at my home church and um, just really developed a love for youth and helping them um, live up to who God has called them to be. And uh, that's how I've gotten to here today. I think some people would say that I'm so committed to youth ministry that I went and married a youth pastor. 
So I'm, I'm stuck with it for life now. Youth ministry is, is part of who I am now. Um, but that's sort of how I've gotten to be here today. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> you didn't know exactly that you got two for one when you, uh, you <laughs> hired me, but it really is a two for one because Kim is such an awesome, awesome leader in the youth ministry group. Uh, thought I'd share a little bit of my testimony. You've, you've heard a fair amount of, of me, and so I, I really just wanted, uh, we both wanted to, uh, um, for Kim to share. But I wanted to talk a little bit more uh, about my passion in actual youth ministry. And, you know, you know how I came to Christ through a youth pastor, um, that stallion named Mark Jansen, who's still there today at uh, Willingdon Church, and he's been there for uh, probably 16 years now as the youth pastor. Just amazing, somebody who I want to strive to be like, uh, and just an awesome guy. Uh, just loved on me, loved on the youth, and uh, did we lose me? Oh, there we go. Uh, yeah, so through that, uh, I, uh, I came to Christ, and then... Uh, it went from there, and it was all through the youth ministry. And I love that this church kind of sees youth and children as a part of the community. There's no silos where it's like, oh, well, the children are here, and the, the youth are here, and, and then, you know, the adults are in the big church. Um, as much as possible, we, we try to integrate that. And you can even see that in the missions trips. We don't have youth missions trips. What we have is family missions trips where you can go off to Guatemala and, and help out the people there. And that's just so awesome. Missions trips for me led me closer to Christ. It did so much more than I did for the people when I went three times to Mexico with, with uh, the high school ministries. And it just really showed, brought out leadership qualities in me that I went, oh, well, you know, I, I am a leader. Uh, and it kind of bred from there. Uh, after I graduated from high school, it um, everything kind of fizzled out, and you know I was going to Douglas College to become a police officer, which we all know how that turned out. Uh, and I, I was stuck in a rut at Rogers Video, and um, didn't yeah just just decided it wasn't my place. And I got this random call from. Uh, this guy and he wanted me to work uh, and he wanted me to show up the next day and he gave me the location. He didn't tell me it was a church or anything. And I had just gone to one of those knife salesman thing because you know the ones like the, the pyramid schemes where you sell knives but you need a ton of stock so you buy our product and then you sell it. Well, I went to one of those and I was thinking that it was the same way but I showed up and it was uh, the senior pastor at Blue Mountain Baptist Church had heard about what I was doing at Willingdon in the the VBS and the kids ministry and, and even kind of more of a leadership role. And he wanted me to run the youth uh, junior high for the summer. And just through that, uh, the course of that time, uh, just what God did uh, in and through me that summer, I just realized that that's what I want to do. I want to work with youth. And uh, so I wanted to stay at the church. We, uh, I uh, got more involved. They kept me on part-time throughout the year. And I moved to uh, my mindset towards Bible college and went out to uh, um, uh, Ambrose University College, uh, the, the Alliance Bible College, and uh, got my degree in youth ministry. And uh, then I started at Devon Alliance Church. Uh, and talk about partnerships there. We had three basic youth ministries in Devon. 
and we worked together. We were in the high school. Uh, we did just some amazing things there, and uh, I was just crushed when I had to come home, but my mom uh, was diagnosed with cancer, had to come and take her, care of her, being the only child, um, but uh, she beat it, which is awesome. Praise God for that. And uh, I was able to go back into ministry, got hurt at uh, our last church that we were at. And it was just one of those uh, things where uh, we came into a sticky situation. And this place was a place for healing for us. And uh, um, so we just came and we felt loved on. And uh, you guys are the ones that did that. And so thank you. Uh, felt just a healing. And uh, we thought, oh, let's help out a little bit with the youth ministry. We're both love youth. And uh, then they told us to apply, and here we are. And so that's kind of a bit of our story uh, about just, yeah, life and our passions. We're going to move a little bit to just kind of talk about now our passions in terms of youth ministry so you guys can get an idea and, and on board and, and become a partner in uh, the youth ministry with us. And uh, so uh, we're going to talk about vision first. And I wanted to share the actual vision. And uh, there's a verse, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. It's the Great Commission. Uh, and you guys can read that um, at your leisure as I'm saying the vision. Uh, this is our vision, though. Uh, youth at the Ridge... Uh, ministry exists to impact our community for Christ. We are God's vessel in making disciples of Christ by raising the spiritual, excuse me, <clears throat> by raising the spiritual bar for students, calling them to make a difference by taking Jesus and the Great Commission seriously. That, that's it. That's what Jesus' last words were in Matthew, is that we're supposed to go and baptize, uh, and make disciples. And so our, we are disciples, and then we are supposed to go and make disciples. And that is exactly uh, what youth ministry is all about. I believe that the youth are, they're not just the generation to come, they are the generation now. And uh, they have some great things to offer. And I'm seeing that. I love these guys, and uh, it's just been a thrill to hang out with them. The uh, youth ministry is a relational-based ministry that functions uh, by growing students in their relationship with Jesus, youth leaders, and uh, fellow students. The goal is to create an environment where youth can learn the love of God and display it to others, including themselves. We encourage students to work out their faith through honest, biblically-based dialogue with youth leaders and each other. We accomplish these goals through purposeful fellowship times, small group focused outings and discussions, and a newer interactive teaching style. And so that's pretty much, in a nutshell, the overview of what youth ministry is all about. And uh, hang in there. We're going to go talk about a couple things, and what we want to get to is how you can partner. We're going to share some partnerships that we have that are amazing, but I really want to focus on how you guys can partner with the youth ministry and how youth ministry can partner with the adult congregation as well. Um, but I'm going to pass it over to Kim now. One of the things that's so clear in our vision um, talks about how we want the youth to raise the bar. And I think that applies to, to everybody. It's not just to youth. Um, but that's something that Mike and I are both really passionate with teenagers, is getting them to raise the bar. Um, as I shared earlier, I think that youth are so important to the kingdom of God. 
and I don't think I'm the only one that thinks this, but I think often what people say is that youth are the leaders of tomorrow. I'm sure that you guys have all heard that phrase before, but I like to challenge that thought, and I would rather say that youth are the leaders of today, not just tomorrow. And I think um, we don't, we don't want to have youth ministry as just this babysitting service. And I know, I know our children's ministry feels the same way about their programs. Um, we strive to teach biblical truths um, on Sunday mornings up there. That's what it's all about. It's not just there to babysit the kids while we're getting fed down here. Um, we're feeding the kids. And, and the youth group is the same way. It's about teaching spiritual truths, getting the kids to, to own their faith, and letting them be leaders. I know that probably a lot of you have maybe been impacted by youth um, in your life. Since I've been working with youth, I know that I've had firsthand experience of um, having my life changed by a 16-year-old. Um, when I worked as the youth pastor um, at, at a, my old home church, there was one boy that was part of our youth ministry, and he was the life of, of youth group. He was very outgoing and active. Um, he was funny. He was the dramatic kid that always had you know, some joke or some story. And um, when he was driving or was riding his bike to school one morning, he got hit by a truck. And that night he passed away. And this was a time I was grieving the loss of, of this boy. And I was also ha- having to help these youth walk through questions and grief that um, they shouldn't have been having to walk through. But this boy, Brandon, had made a choice a couple months before his death that impacted my life and impacted the lives of hundreds of people that attended his memorial service. You see, a couple days before the memorial service, his dad found a scrap piece of paper that was in his nightstand drawer. It was scribbled on, words were crossed out and edited and changed. It wasn't perfect, but it was beautiful. And that scrap piece of paper was what he called his shield of faith. And that became the center of his memorial service, and it challenged me. On it, it said, I, Brandon Wallace, on October the 22nd, changed my life. Not for a day, not around certain friends, but for as long as I am on this earth. With the grace and help of God and friends, I choose to let people know, not be afraid, but show that God is awesome and he's always there. And he signed it BMW, Brandon Michael Wallace. Not by the will of the world, but by God's will. This was a 16-year-old that made this choice and wrote down his statement of faith. He wasn't perfect at living it out. None of us are. But he was able to say that. And, and I heard that statement of faith and thought, man, he's 16. And look at how God has used his life and then his death to change so many people's lives. What am I doing with my life? And how is God using me? And how many youth have I overlooked because I thought they were miniature people? You know, I didn't, I didn't see them as, as leaders or capable of, of these things. And I think that, that youth are capable of so much more than we give them credit for. And this shield of faith reminds me of that. And I hope that at JRCC, we'll let them be themselves. And I know that we already do that. Um, even last Sunday, some of them were up helping out in Sunday school, and um, it was a huge help to have them there, just extra hands and, 
and people to help with thing going up, things going on up there. And it's, it's amazing to see these youth become leaders, leaders of today. And my soapbox verse that I sort of stand on in this area is um, from 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, which says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. I love that verse. Because first of all, it sort of raises up the young people. Yay! And when I started out as a youth pastor, I was young and inexperienced, but the church embraced me. But I also love the verse because it challenges young people. It says that they need to set an example. So it's not just about, oh, you know, you're young, so don't let people look down on you because you can do something, but it challenges them and says set an example in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Yeah. So we get the opportunity to hang out with youth. And uh, one of the major uh, goals of this youth ministry is relational-based. And so we want to hang out with youth where they're at, um, take them out for Cokes, play some board games, which is my passion, play some dance dance maybe, something like that. And I've had the opportunity to hang out with uh, some of the, the youth, and uh, so is Kim, and we're going to have more opportunities. But, uh, yeah, just to get into their world and to, to find out what they excel at, what they're passionate about, and then get them involved in that. Um, so we're a relational-based group. Now, partnerships, getting back on that theme. Uh, we are partners with the parents, and that's one of our, our key things that we make uh, uh, no apologies about is that we are not the sole nor are we the major providers of spiritual mentorship in the lives of students that falls on the parents uh, parents are the number one spiritual leader in their child's life and we are here to support that um, and so I've told all my parents at every every uh, parents meeting they know that that uh, we want to be there to support them and we've provided them some resources uh, some some questions they can they can ask their, their kids and just a, a number of things. So we partner with the parents uh, in, in raising their child. And I hope uh, we can just help with that a little bit. As adolescents grow up, um, they rely less on their parents and more on mentors and friends uh, to have that um, role model. And so we want to be that, that, that other area, that other help. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, pass it back to Kim. Because they're starting to rely, as youth get older, on these other people, uh, youth leaders play a huge role um, partnering with the parents. But the, one of the things that, that I think is so great is working with other youth leaders. Um, we have There's three leaders working right now with, with the youth group here, Mike, myself, and then Carolyn. And... Um, I know how great it is as a female in the youth ministry to have another female to work with because um, I'm just one person and my personality doesn't always click with everybody else's personalities. Um, so it's, it's nice to have that other person to come in, to bounce ideas off, to, you know, to take time out to meet with the other kids or sometimes there might be two youth that want to talk about something but I only have time to talk with one. And so... Um, it's great to have that other person there to, to come out with and, and to help out. Um, it, just like the slide says there, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, 
the church plays a huge role in being part of that village. And some of you guys might be sitting here going, well, I have younger kids. They're not teenagers yet. Or I have teenagers, um, you know, or I don't have any. And I've never really thought about youth ministry. Um, But maybe some of what we've been sharing and and even the thought about how youth are um, so important, maybe getting on the front lines of that battle has sort of piqued your interest. And um, one of the areas that we are desperately in need of help is another male volunteer. Um, Mike's just one guy. He's a pretty amazing guy, but he's just one guy. And just like I can't do it on my own without um, the help of a, a female counterpart to get out there and, awesome and help female with the partner girls. Yes. Too. Um, we also need another guy to help out too. And um, I would just challenge you guys that if, if you've sort of felt a pull, even if you're not a guy, we still need more girls too, but um, if you've sort of felt this pull, come and talk to Mike. And talking doesn't mean you're going to get enlisted right away. Um, you know, that comes later. <laughs> but it's just talk about it. There's so many different ways to be involved. Um, it, it doesn't have to just be being a youth sponsor, but it is one of the most rewarding ways to partner with this ministry. My life's been changed by it, and, and I, would, I would highly recommend it, but there's so many different ways. Yeah, so this is, so you've heard kind of the youth ministry. Can you guys get on board with that? Is that something you can get excited about? Is there a yes, no? <laughs> Are you guys still awake? Can you guys get involved in that? Can, can you get on board? I hear, hear, or I see, not hear, uh, heads nodding. Um, th- there is two other ways. One, we do need, uh, we, uh, we really need a youth sponsor that's a male uh, to help out with that. I mean, we, we part- uh, I'll talk about how we partner with other churches, and we have some youth sponsors from that. But, uh, yeah, that's one way you can help. The other one is please pray for the youth ministry. Uh, we're, we're going on some interesting ventures, some, some new stuff that hasn't been done, uh, and, and we're setting the bar high, um, but um, I don't have it figured all out with, I, I need God's help, and so please be praying for the youth, and for, for the youth ministry, for Kim, for Carolyn, and that wonderful male youth sponsor that will talk to me after service. The next thing is... Uh, it, uh, another way that you can be involved is uh, by adopting a teen, uh, and, and it's kind of a new thing that we're going to be starting, is if you're a prayer warrior, or if you um, feel the need that you want to pray for them, we're going to give you a card with the picture of the kid, kid, the teen, and then a bio of them. It'll kind of be like compassion. You can sponsor a, a child, except you're not sponsoring them financially, you're sponsoring them through prayer. And so my goal is that each student would be prayed for by one person in this congregation. So if you want that, there's my email if you want to do that. I would love to have too many, and then we can have two people praying for them. (laughs) And then go up to them, and you can talk to them and say, hey, I'm praying for you every week. Every day I'm praying for you. And that just means so much in the lives of the kids. So um, I hope you'll step up and at the very least uh, adopt a teen. And uh, so that's my email. Write it down in your Momentum journals if you want, or you can just uh, memorize it. It's pretty easy. Uh, So that's that. We're going to show some some pictures uh, of the youth, Uh, but there's one more thing that I want to mention, and that's the partnership we have with other churches. And this is kind of the new innovative thing that we're doing. And it's uh, uh, we're partnering with uh, the Willows, which is a Salvation Army church, 
and uh, Mountain View Alliance just down the road, and we're doing youth ministry together. Uh, so the first and third Thursdays of the month we meet and we hang out and we just have a great time. Uh, and so that's uh, a partnership we're doing. Um, and it's challenging. So please pray for that. Uh, it's challenging because we're, we're just learning how to do this together. It, we don't have any models that we're going on. We're just basing it on uh, kind of God's uh, uh, tweak in my heart. How it started was I, when, I, when I started, the first thing I did was um, call all the youth pastors. I said, hey, let's go for coffee. And I met one-on-one with them. And I said, how can we serve each other? How can we uh, pray for one? How can I pray for you? And what ended up happening is two of them said, hey, I'm a part-time guy uh, at, at Mountain View. And I do half-time uh, associate. And I only have 10 hours a week to do youth. Uh, and then the Willow said, well... Honestly, we don't even have a youth pastor, so we don't know, you know, we're struggling too. And so it just melded into, well, let's do things together. And so we're really excited about that. We have 10 leaders that show up every week, and I think we had about 40 kids that showed up um, on our first joint event uh, and did the corn maze together, and then we met up in the LAC. So just a great partnership uh, we're doing there. And uh, just wanted to, to bring that up as a praise item, and that's working out. Please pray. Uh, we have other churches that we want to be um, associated with and, and to continue to partner with. There's Willoughby uh, CRC and uh, just all the churches around that have youth ministries, and we would love to get them all on board in one way or another and just do this thing together. I mean, we have the resources when, we're, when we work together, and so... It's exciting, and I hope you're excited for that as well. Well, thus concludes my talk. There's great pictures up there. Uh, that's a nice dress, Kim. <laughs> that's great. Awesome. Well, I guess we're going to do a Q&A now. Maybe I'll pass the mic over to Pastor Brad. So you've heard uh, a little bit about uh, some of the partnerships in, this, uh, in the area of student ministries as an example of how... Uh, we go about thinking through partnerships. Any questions that you have that kind of comes up out of that? And if you have one that you want to just ask personally of Mike or myself, you can do that offline sometime and just uh, come and tap us on the shoulder. But any questions that you guys have as a, as a group that you want to just say, hey, there may be other people that have this question too. So if you guys want to answer it on behalf of the leadership team. All right, Tammy. Uh-oh. <laughs> Tammy's rubbing her hands together. That evil look. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
Um, I'm just wondering the second Thursday of the month when we when there's dinners for the kids is that an opportunity for other people in the congregation maybe to open their homes up to have um, a small group not a huge group but a small group over for dinner um, and just open their homes up sure yeah totally it's a great opportunity um, the second Thursday of every month um, our youth group here at Jericho Ridge is going to be meeting um, in small groups. Uh, there'll be gender-specific groups, so the guys will meet together and the girls will meet together um, with a leader, a youth sponsor. And they, the idea is that we want to be out in people's homes um, having dinner together because food and fellowship goes together well. Um, and the leader will, will organize the content of the evening, um, hanging out, talking, um, but that is a huge opportunity, and thanks for asking that, Tammy, for, for you guys to get involved. If you have a home that would be great for hosting, it's not a huge group. Um, we're talking like groups of four or five, probably. But just to, to cook for us um, and invite us into your home, and uh, we'll help do the dishes, that kind of stuff. But um, if, if that's something that is an area where you'd like to serve, then come and talk to me or talk to Mike. That would be a huge help and, I think, a blessing to, to both sides, both groups. Yeah, we, we will uh, uh, be at your house at 6.30, and we'll be out of your house by 8.30, so it's not a huge time commitment. Um, but, yeah, we'd really appreciate that for sure. Also, if you even stuff like driving, if you uh, um, got a sweet car you want to have youth in or you just want to take <laughs> me in because I like cars, you can do that too. All right. Well, I think we'll, we'll wrap that up. You'll hear from us uh, over the course of the next number of weeks about uh, other examples of ways that God has called us uh, into partnership uh, for the larger work of the kingdom of God here in this place. But I want to pray for Mike and Kim and uh, for their team. And so is Carolyn, Carolyn, do you want to come up too? And then we can uh, pray for you guys. All right. Well, let's pray together. God, we just say uh, thank you for the way in which you have uh, been moving here in our midst at Jericho Ridge. Thank you for the examples of partnership uh, that you have given to us and the opportunities. We thank you for uh, the way in which that has also resulted in uh, Mike and Kim coming to be a part of the church family. And so, God, we just pray for them. Uh, we pray uh, for them as they work with young people that you would give them wisdom and graciousness and discernment and uh, just an incredible capacity to speak wisdom into the lives of the young people uh, that you've entrusted with us. So, God, we pray for all of those who work with them. We pray for Carolyn, and thank you for uh, her, and we thank you also for those who will partner with the ministry uh, in various ways. And so, God, we are grateful for all of those things. We say thank you for your work of grace in our lives and uh, in this particular faith community. So, God, as we go from this place, we want to uh, do so with our eyes open to see what are the things that you're calling us to partner with in your world this week. Who are the people that you are calling us to engage with? And how can we live in a way that's consistent uh, with the truth that you've revealed to us? 
And so, God, we say thank you for that opportunity, and we ask that you would send us with your gracious blessing and peace and the equipping of the Holy Spirit to strengthen us for all that you have for us this week. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, Just a reminder that if you want to join us downstairs for uh, a bit of an exploration of what covenant membership looks like, uh, that we're going to be providing lunch for you. And so if you're here for that, there's child care also provided. You can just head down the stairs and around uh, to the rec center. Parents, if you need to pick up your kids, you can head up to the uh, fourth floor. And we want to thank you for being with us. If there's any ways in which we can serve you or any other questions you have, uh, don't hesitate to come and find one of our staff team, uh, and we'll be happy to assist you in that way. God bless as you go.